What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Franchise Unpacked. I'm one of your hosts, Dave. And I'm the other one of your hosts, Zach. Dave, it, it feels like it's it's going, man. I feel like it's been like six weeks since it's, we did our last episode. I know. Yeah, we had a, I had technical difficulties yesterday. My neighborhood, our cable provider in our neighborhood was just dropping in and out. So Jeez. I was having issues there. And then Monday, yeah, you were you were busy. And so we're we're now recording on a Wednesday. But that's OK. Yeah, pushing it to a Wednesday. And I uh, for those of you who don't know, I just started another podcast mm-hmm. uh, called the Coast Up Podcast, yes. and it's more like business oriented. To- as far from this podcast as you can possibly get. But um, so I mean, I've been recording business. a bunch of that. And He's got his business been, socks on. Oh yeah, so it's been it's been busy. Hell yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, man, I'm excited. So uh, lately, we've been doing a lot of video games mm-hmm. and uh, and all that good stuff. But yes. today we wanted to sort of take a step in the direction of movies again and see just kind of we're just feeling it out you guys yeah. we're seeing what what works so we're going, yeah we're going back to one of my favorites we're hitting star wars this month yeah, so yeah, yeah we were talking we're like well it's a big good big franchise of course star wars is and it is uh probably by the end of the month we'll do an episode on like some of the more extraneous stuff like you know not main saga stuff right and we have five episodes this month so we have to figure oh, out we do oh it's we a do oh, it's a three paycheck month I'll oh take- yeah I'll oh, take yeah. it. Um, yeah, but uh, uh, yeah, we're this this week today. We're kind of just discussing. I wanted to talk about the original trilogy and just mm-hmm. kind of like, and not really. You know, we've yeah. It's kind of one of those things. You see a Batman movie. I don't need to see his parents get shot again. Right. Like, I, we're not going to really. I really don't need to go over the story. We're not going to talk about that. I really want to focus up on um, kind of like the process it took to get those first three made, get the franchise right. kind of launched, and then. Kind of like just kind of one thing, what led to another, how the process, you know, proceeded, what like George Lucas was really into at the time when he wrote the script, why certain elements are the way they are. Yeah. And it's and it's interesting, too, because like for for Zelda, for example, I live and breathe and eat and sleep and drink Zelda. And uh, and Dave, you're definitely the like the Star Wars one oh, yeah. of the two of us. Like, I, I love Star Wars. Don't get me wrong. But like. I'm behind on it and I, you know, like stuff like that. So it's, it's going to be really cool. I think to have sort of the varying perspectives because I know a lot of surface level stuff about star Wars. And I know that you, you know, all like the, the nitty gritty type stuff, the nerdy names and all that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so excited (laughs) to dive into it. Um, Oh yeah. But, uh, well, and that's cool that you just brought up Zelda because I wanted to bring that up too right away because, uh, when, well, kind of like from the beginning, George Lucas was, uh, He's kind of a, an interesting guy. He's always wanted to be broken away from the Hollywood system, mm-hmm. uh, keep away from corporations. He always said, but now he is the head of a corporation where well, right. LucasArts and all that and Lucasfilm and all that sort of stuff. But um, it, it, the first I, I found it interesting. I was like doing a lot of research, especially on the first movie. And then when he was like doing um, mock-ups of the script uh, that like kind of just like kind of like bringing up the broad ideas and who the characters would be fleshing that. So you could shop it around to studios. He was like, kind of, he loved Buck Rogers, Flash Gordon, all those kind of like serial black and mm-hmm. white of the 60s, you know, like back in the fifties and sixties aliens going to different plants and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. In fact, if you have ever seen the black and white Flash Gordon, every, I think most of those episodes would start with a scroll like a text scroll, like the Star really? Wars. Yeah. So that kind of, I believe, had to be the inspiration for the beginning oh, of the sure. Star yeah. Wars movie. Yeah. And it kind of has this epic music. And, um, oh, and speaking of epic music, John Williams being brought in, kind of one of the 
saving elements of that the first production. It was such a mess producing that yeah. first movie that when John Williams' score was heard, it was one of the things that really everybody was blown away. Like not one person questioned that, at least. At the very mm-hmm. least, the music was there. Uh, but he was chosen. One of the main reasons he had done work on Lost in Space. I did not know that. And he, as he, and he went by the name of Johnny Williams. Oh, <laughs> so John Williams is like, yeah. So he, t- and they, I listened to a little bit of like some music from the old Lost in Space show, you mm-hmm. know, Danger, Will Robinson, all, like still all, pretty much one of those corny, you know, beat sci-fi shows, but it was yeah. still like very, that sweeping epic, that feel. And you're like, oh, this is totally correct. This yeah. makes sense. Yeah. So, but yeah, back to, back to George Lucas. He was, uh, he was um, kind of brought up in the school with uh, Steven Spielberg, Brian De Palma, mm-hmm. all those big kind of names. Um, uh, also, ooh, what's uh, the Godfather? Uh, what's his name? Uh, Francis Ford Coppola, all those guys. And, uh, but he, and he had done American Graffiti, which debuted in 1973 when he was actually just getting the Star Wars script, like kind of down. Like mm-hmm. getting it written. Um, and 20th Century Fox put out American Graffiti. And it was a hit. It was for an independent movie. It was a really big success. Yeah, because he was he was a relatively independent so like, filmmaker. We'll green light this Star Wars film for you. Yeah. Yeah. He was very brand new. I mean, America, uh, he had done THX 1138, which was a big flop. But it was like his student film. So and that's where the uh, THX, the company, the um, sound, the wah. Yeah, yeah. That's where that comes from. That's his company. THX comes from the title of his very first student film. I did and, not know um, that. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's a very um, uh, Logan's run sci-fi. It's very like a dystopian, like, prison planet and everybody right. works and then one person breaks free and it's that kind of like a, right. and he's running in the whole time. Like that, it's kind of one of those movies. Yeah. And I think they re- they did it after he did it in college and then they redid that movie. And I believe, um, uh, also from the Godfather, I can't remember the, uh, his name, um, doing a bad name. Uh, what a famous actor. It'll come to me. It'll come to me later. He's, a, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, uh, he plays Tom Hagen on the Godfather. Uh, oh shoot. It'll, it'll come to That's it. Drive you oh, that guy, of course. Yep, it is. Um, but anyway, uh, so they greenlit star Wars and they said, they're like, okay, this script doesn't make any sense. So we'll give you $8.5 million now Jeez. to put. So to, yeah, to put that into perspective, that's like Disney giving the ride, giving JJ Abrams to do the most recent, so the rise of Skywalker. That's like them giving him with inflation around $45 million. That's insane. That's it. Nowadays, nowadays, that's it. So, and they weren't falling back on any like, Oh, we already have these, techniques we already have these cameras that can do this we already have these like computers that can make these effects no they got 8.5 million dollars i think most of it went to him creating lucasfilm like ilm industrial light magic which is has birthed basically modern special effects as we know it today yeah they they were the i mean i didn't know either that george lucas his ilm created the first pixar computer and they really? they gave that to and that's what created like basically Pixar as a company. One computer well, created it, it, a company. Something that's always been interesting to me, and you'll probably know more about this than than I do. But looking at the especially the first Star Wars movie, so Episode Four, yeah. yep. which I want to talk about why it's out of order as well. Um, but sure. it, when we're looking at Episode Four, that movie, uh, and I'm quoting, I think it's uh, Nerd Writer One on YouTube. I think that's the channel that did it. Um, 
but it was basically saved in edit. And that's like the title of the movie is like saved in the edit. And it was, uh, it didn't make any sense. It did it, nothing. It was just an odd story. And so I guess George Lucas had like Steven Spielberg and a couple of his other like big director buddies come over and just say, and they all watched yeah. it and they were like, no, this doesn't work. This doesn't work. It, and the score yeah. wasn't there yet. A lot of the sound effects, they said the death star sequence was not there. So really? Like, yeah. See, Steven Spielberg is quoted saying, he's like, I think I was the only person who liked the movie at the time. Like when we all went over to his house to watch it. But he's like, there was just a lot missing and you couldn't he, but he, you, they're like, you had to trust George. He had this, obviously had this vision, you know, right. and it like paid out. And the thing is, it's like in the back end, he took all the merchandising rights and merchandising was not a thing. Marketing was one right. thing. Merchandising was a whole other separate piece. He's like, I want to make t-shirts. I want to make posters and eventually toys. But the toys came so much later and Kenner was the only company that like really was signed on at the very beginning of merchandising. They were like a fledgling mm-hmm. company themselves. And they're like, sure, we'll do it. You know, we want to make, they wanted to make space toys. They just wanted to have like those molds and like, right. get into that market. It was yeah. kind of an, it was a weird market too, because at the time you have to put in perspective, the movie alien had not come out yet. The only sci-fi right. and the only movies that made money sci-fi wise were basically planet of the apes, mm-hmm. 2001, a space odyssey, and like, I, I, I couldn't even tell you what else before that, that well, is like, makes such an impact. The, the fact that the edit was so big for that movie, I don't know. To me, that's really interesting, especially because I come from a, a video editing background. So I heard that in this first movie, they said they in the editing bay, they uh, first off, he actually got his wife. Also, at the time, he had fired his first editor. At the near the end of filming the new, a new really, album. yeah, he fired his editor because they were not seeing things at all eye to eye. <clears throat> Excuse me, and he was able to actually steal his wife, who was editing a Martin Scorsese movie at the time. What uh, he she, he was able to borrow her, pulled her over, and she was a, a, an amazing, like I think, Academy Award winning editor. You know, she yeah. was she's very good. But they said that the editors they had three units at the end of all things because they had two weeks left to film so they had to right. they put in two more filming units just to get like other all the shots and then right. they said in editing they would use up to literally the last frame that you could before the flash of the camera they would right. they would they were extending things they were looping there's this this famous scene in the first movie where luke is looking for r2d2 r2d2 is ran off and the next mm-hmm. morning, Luke and C-3PO go looking for him before they run into Obi-Wan Kenobi. And right. they run into a bunch of Tusken Raiders. And they're the big, like, the sand the, with the rifle. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a <laughs> That's sequence a really good the, impression. The, yep. Oh, yeah. Oh, I practice. Uh, there's a sequence <laughs> where the sand, the Tusken Raider, knocks Luke over, and he is standing over him, and he raises his gun threateningly, like, you know, and he does that. <laughs> in the real, I saw footage. He only does that once in real life, and then he goes to hit Luke. In the editing bay, they took that footage and just looped it back and forth to make him like do like wow. a, like a call, really, and make him like go back. And it's just little things like that, yeah, just to like extend things, make it have a feel, like let the let what just happened kind of rest, right? You know, because it's you're seeing space stuff. You're seeing Obi Wan cut a man's off with a lightsaber, right? You gotta let that like oh oh okay, let it simmer. Let it like, and that's like this, uh, not to see, like, you know, toot my and my fellow editors horns. But man, I think people don't realize how much editors do for a movie. Oh, 
Like you oh, need to have a when good you see a poorly edited movie. Oh, it's like, obvious. You see a, oh, it's not it's, to go this, totally off topic, but like if yeah. you want to see like an incredibly well edited movie, the movie itself is like eh, like it's pretty good, but it's not my favorite. But uh, dope is dope. I hear is very good. It, the editing is phenomenal. There's another movie um, where the editing is great, but the movie is awful. Um, Spring Breakers or something like that with James Franco. Oh, with James Franco. Yeah. yeah, it was awful. It was a terrible movie, but the editing was spot on. But that's the thing, like, you know, the the story of, and especially with these older movies, I feel like they you had to have a good editor on board and they weren't as available as editors are today because... Now, you know, I, I like to think that I've spent a lot of time working on my craft and trying to perfect it. But now anybody with a computer is an editor. You know, you have Windows Movie Maker, you have, you know, uh, iMovie built into everything. You have it on your phone. So but, but people forget that you get these professional editors um, that get in there and they really help tell the story. I guess I don't want to stay in that too long. No, so, but it's important because at the same time too, like you said, they were inventing things on the spot. They weren't just editing right. a, any movie. They had right. to, they invented that thing. And I kind of want to bring this up with you because when we did the healers, they invented the technique of where you put, I can't remember what it's called, but you're putting, basically you're filming one thing and then you literally superimpose that image over another, oftentimes moving or still. Yeah. Compositing. Then, yeah. yeah. Composite editing. But they yeah. were, they were doing that like with the, it's fascinating seeing how they would, they would throw a camera basically at a model of the millennium Falcon against the right. big blue screen and yep. the movement of that camera going towards the millennium Falcon made it look like the millennium Falcon would be flying at a camera. Right. If you put it against the still background that's filmed later or like yep. an action sequence. So they were, it was just like, you're playing with toys. You're doing the stop motion. You're, yeah. you're inventing laser sounds and images. Well, and it, that's, that's what's crazy about star Wars too. So like, I mean, obviously, and I think star Wars is one of the franchises that, it it has a lot of credit due to it, and I mm-hmm. think it does get a lot of that credit. Um, it's not only a good movie or good like good series of like mm-hmm. storytelling. It is good at what it did. Right now, my only question to you is: there's obviously a pretty big gap uh, between the old Star Wars films and the new ones. Um, I personally think they still hold up, but I also watched them when I was younger Yeah, and I watched them before the prequels. But I mean, what, what's your, what are your thoughts on that? Like, you know, we have all these, in, you know, insanely, when you look back at it, it does look dated. I mean, it's, it is dated. It's, it's yeah. a 50 year old movie. Mean, even when he updated them, quote unquote, the updates yeah. are now dated because right. they were just, you know, I don't know if not focusing on the right things, right. Um, but it, you know, he's quoted saying that like he didn't want to do the prequels or George Lucas didn't want to do the prequels right away because he didn't have the technology to back it up and the funding for it. Right. He wanted to do like, you know, he wanted to do pod racing. He wanted all these aliens. They were like severely disappointed, I guess, in the cantina scene because the the in the very first movie, because he's like these aliens, some of them looked ridiculous. There's like a giant praying mantis in the corner that mm-hmm. you never see in the movie because he's like, we edited so much. The editing, they were just right. super extreme. If you notice that sequence, it's not a big sweeping shot of this room full of aliens. It's right. the extreme weird angle close-ups yeah. of like usually just their faces and like eyes looking around or like, or like sipping a weird drink. Right. And that's it. And it like cuts away and you're like, 
ugh. Like you get yeah. a grody. And George Lucas was just like, nope, just let our editors handle it. Like mm-hmm. we will fix it post. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think that, uh, you know, it, it's funny, like everything dates itself. I think it's important to remember like design and filming yeah. techniques and, I think, and I think that the prequels now, they're over 20, 20 25 years old or going oh on 20, gosh. you know, they're going on yeah. that, that being that old, they're 21 years old now. Yeah. And they are now, when we saw the, when those movies started coming out, Star Wars was 20 years old to us. So right. it's a dated look. It's now, I don't think Disney in the future is ever going to make movies that, re- if they ever say they do a movie that's uh, Star Wars episode 2.5 you know like they do right. a, a star wars story that takes place in between that they're not going to make it look like the prequel movies they're going right. to emulate them but i think with more physical props they're oh, going definitely. to take all those cg they're going to make it look like all their movies do now yeah Which, yeah absolutely thank you please do it yeah no the, and they, yeah. the, the new films look great and we'll talk about the new films on another yeah. uh, another episode but so going back to the the original trilogy so this was, I believe, Mark Hamill's first role, first real role. First big and, role, yeah. And he didn't uh, he didn't think that he was the lead. So when mm. when he got cast, he was when he had read the script um, or what they had of it, I guess, at that point, he thought that Han Solo was was the lead. He was like, this is the, some leading guy, you know, sure. he's got his own spaceship. And, all and, like, and, and he's like, so he's the the leading man. I'm just kind of the tag. Like he knew he had a big role. Yeah. And it sort of became a surprise to him when he was like, Oh, I'm the main character. Like I'm I the crux this. of this whole yeah. franchise now. Um, which I, th- I thought that was really interesting that, uh, I don't know that, that, that he sort of went into it with that. And he plays the mindset. role. He really does play the role and they all do. I think it's important that you're, you're all your leads, but him, especially there's a sincerity you have to have, I think, a sincerity with Star Wars because the language itself, uh, Carrie mm-hmm. Fisher's quoted saying that you can write Star Wars, you can't say it. it. Right. It looks great on paper and it sounds awesome when it finally does come through. You're like, that sounded cool. I didn't understand any of it. Right. But like, okay, like, you know, even when they're doing their call signs, you're like, Red Squadron, standing by. You're like, oh, this is cool. You're like, you're getting that right. feeling. But like, Luke's like, he has to, he's that farm boy. He's not naive, but he's just, a blank slate sort of, and you have to be right. like passionate. You have to be, all, he's overly passionate. He's the, you know, like you said, he's the, I'm the kind of the young whippersnapper of the, yeah, you know, yeah. teach me, you know, that. Mm-hmm. And it's cool. He's King Arthur. He's young boy. Arthur is sort of the stone, sort of the stone style. Right. And, and we were talking about um, like Shigeru Miyamoto and with Zelda and being loving all those stories. Like, you know, you find the master sword in the temple of mm-hmm. time or, King Arthur pulls the sword from the stone or like Beowulf. These were all huge inspirations for George Lucas at the time. Or like, even like the way of the samurai, the Japanese like teaching and you, that's very prevalent in the very first movie, the sword fight style. Yeah. Yeah. It's very Katana, like sword fight. Yeah. Samurai style. So like, and it's, yeah, you've got these, all these, it's very uh, archetype. What, what kind of, is cohesive. I believe there's an author named Thomas Campbell and he wrote a lot about mythology around the world and what it all ties together. And I think that was important to George Lucas. He's like in even bringing it down to like good dark side and the light, literally calling it that. 
Like what is universal that everyone can understand? Well, and it was the the thing with those movies is they they had a universal appeal. I think they had this, and and, and at the time, I mean, that was back in the days of like you're coming out of the Vietnam War, like, and it's and it's like you're kind like, of a nerd if you like sci-fi a little bit, but yeah, they they did have a universal appeal. But I think the cool thing about it was if you wanted to go deeper, you could. Yeah. And I think the same thing still applies today, where if you want to go and watch a Star Wars movie, even if you haven't seen any Star Wars films, you could go in, watch it, have a general grasp of what's going on, have a good time and leave the theater. You can know um, who's good and who's bad. Yeah. Like, what is. And then if you want to go in like like, with, you know, someone like you who has books on yeah. this, like literature explaining who is who and what's what. You can go in with that background knowledge and then you're getting this sort of enhanced experience, which that's one of the things I know we've been bouncing back and forth between Zelda too here. But one of the things that I love about Zelda is the same thing. You can jump into a Zelda game with no knowledge and enjoy yourself, or you can be a huge nerd and jump into a Zelda game with all the knowledge in the world and you know, that's when I personally, I'm like, oh my gosh, I love this. This is where so-and-so yeah. stood. This is where, you know, the Triforce was in the original, whatever it is. It gives and, you a world to live in. And especially exactly. like too, with Zelda and in Star Wars, it's then giving you time frames to live in this world. It not only complements itself, it's like, here's the history forward right. and backwards. Here's what it looks like in different time periods. Here's yeah. what was going on politically. Like it's it, truly world building. And it, yeah. I've never, I don't know of a, I mean, you've got your Lord of the Rings and like we mentioned Zelda. Now, when, but like, man, I've, I still always go back to Star Wars that they have created an incredible kind of uh, Star Trek too. But I think because you can have alien planets, you can just be like, right. boom, new, boom, every day you could like come up with something new, well, but they have truly continued to fill it out with, with Star Wars. And I don't know the timeline here that well, no. um, but f- when that came out, was Dungeons and Dragons already a thing? I wonder. Oh yeah, seventy seven um, was when May twenty fifth, seventy seven was when the first Star Wars movie came out. And okay. the, Dungeons and Dragons was definitely. I couldn't tell you like the first year Gary Gygax right. wrote the. You know, because my thought is like there, manual, but- I see a lot of things in Star Wars that make me, and not I've never played D anD D, but sure. I see a lot of things in Star Wars that make me think. Dungeons and Dragons like they have this this feel of you're watching a role playing game almost you well it's it's literally like you said almost the same tropes too. Lord of the Rings the first thing they do in Fellowship of the Ring or in you go to the bar you go to the tavern you to get your adventure to find your hero they go to the cantina they you've you collect your old wizard you've got your knight then you find your damsel in distress you've also got a barbarian it's like these very especially with a crew you assemble a crew a team who like eventually learn to work together and it it always seems to be some sort of rebellion right like you're you're, you're the ragtag squad oh, working yeah. against these insane powers. Insane odds, too. Yeah, like yeah. things that are just astronomical, truly. Yeah. Um, and so before, uh, I mean, this episode kind of is flying by for me. Oh, yeah, but me too. I, I did want to ask, like, so we're talking about these specifically with the original trilogy. Um, we've seen this affect so much of modern uh, media, I guess. And... I was just curious if you had any like insight into that as to like sort of the tropes that started in Star Wars that we now see in 
everything sci-fi, you know, oh. even even parodies. I mean, you look at Family Guy. How many Star Wars episodes have they done? I lost track. <laughs> yeah, they've done all the original trilogy. Right. Uh, and now they can now that Disney owns them again, they can do all of them. Right. So. I hope they eventually, that'd be great if they did like the prequels. Or oh, that'd the, be incredible. Uh, really funny. Uh, but I think like uh, one of the big tropes is now you see, like we mentioned earlier from like the cantina, the importance of the cantina. Well, and that's mm-hmm. cool. Like we, we mentioned that uh, George Lucas wanted like all these different aliens on top of robots and doing different things and different heights and sizes and shapes, which we now can do with all the puppetry and sure. CGI. But like, he, like we just, and they just didn't have the funding for it back then. They're like, Okay, but now that has been so established from Star Wars that yeah, that's every sci-fi movie. If there are aliens, or if you go to like any hub, any Guardians of the Galaxy movie, like that is your. You see every. You see so many different types. Like, ooh, what's that? Ooh, what's that? And that's almost right. like each alien you see pop up. Even in Men in Black, when they're in their headquarters, it's this one-upsmanship of a weird alien. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Star Wars, sometimes you'll see like this weird, like big octopus thing, like roll by with like 40 tentacles, but then you'll see these dudes like all in these weird masks with the breathe tubes, but they're like very human, but very right. scary. But you're like, you're all wrapped up. I can't see what you could not. You're probably not a human. Right. But right. You're who knows. And then they well, always speak weird and it's, yeah, that's where I, f- I kind of feel like some of that Dungeons and Dragons influence comes in where it's like, you're kind of human. You're kind of not. Yeah. And even someone like Jabba the Hutt, you know, they, uh, which by the way, I love looking at the, um, the pre CGI scenes when mm-hmm. Harrison Ford's walking around with that, like Scottish actor with like the furry vest. You're like, yeah. what is, who is this? I'm Jabba like, what on earth? Oh, I kind of wish they would have just kept that. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I'm so but, like, glad. <laughs> it's, it, it's so interesting though, to me to see that because they, that tells me that even though they had concepts in mind, they were so open to building even a creature as disgusting as Jabba the Hutt. They he has a human element to him. Oh, every yeah. character, every arc has a very human feel to it, even if it's a robot, even if it's an alien, whatever it is. I think yeah, everything is inspired by like a love for class. Yet again, we're back to like classic tropes. You look at Jabba the Hutt and his side of the story. You're like, oh, mm-hmm. this feels like I'm in a hard boiled 1950s, maybe a, fil- a crime noir. Sure. He's supposed to be this. This is tapping into this side of things. So he's right. going to look like the bad guy from the, uh, they even said the actor who's the bad guy in the uh, uh, Maltese Falcon, which is an old Humphrey Bogart film. He's mm-hmm. this kind of a big intimidating, like, Oh, I'm going to talk to you like this. <laughs> like, so he was supposed, you're like, Oh, like, Oh, that's a scary, big right. crime boss. And you're like, yeah, he's just a truly a slug. Yeah. Like, yeah. Opulence and just, yeah. So we're kind of doing it out of order here, but what was your first Star Wars experience? I don't know if I ever asked you that. Yeah. I think with our old episodes, we always kind of get into, I think the first time it's just kind of always been there. Like, and I'd be reruns on TV or like we had them on VHS. Well, you know what? We did talk about this now. Now I'm remembering it. We record so many of these episodes. I I lose track of. No, it's okay. But like, it's just always, I've and I always gravitated towards it. My brother liked it, but like I was always right. the one I would get the video games. I would get the action figures. I would get I would I would be the one wanting to see it opening weekend. I would right. opening day once I got old. And, and you know, you guys with, with something like Star Wars, we have a whole month on this, which is incredible. Yeah. Um, but as you guys can tell, we're trying to talk about even just the original trilogy. There's no way in our time slots that we can get through 
even most. No, we didn't of even this. talk about how like he then started hiring different directors in the new movies and like how like the, yeah. everything had to top itself. Like Empire right. Strikes Back. If Empire Strikes Back didn't work, we would he go they all believed there would have been no more Star Wars movies after that. Really? Like if Empire had failed, but it did so well that it like topping itself, which sequels hardly do. Right. That it they were like, okay, this could last forever. <laughs> it was right. either like everything or nothing. Yeah. And that's and that's one of those things too. Like I, I really do want to like I almost wish that we had an episode per episode. Yeah. Um, and maybe in the future we'll be able to do that. Um, and let us know, you guys. Like, you know, if you want to hear more video games, we'll do more video games. If you want to hear yeah. more individual Star Wars entries, we'll do that. And we can um, hit on it with this franchise. We can hit it from every angle. Yeah. So and, and my, my, my question to you then, Dave, is, you know, these the original trilogy was, I think, such a huge moment for film just for 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 movies in general um would you want to see those remade no 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 okay uh because i would i just want to keep seeing more rogue ones and more like Mm -hmm. stuff that fits in between it i'd also be cool Okay, I got to watch how I put this. <laughs> because, well, okay, luckily with Disney Plus, we have an advantage. You can do a bunch of cool like shows and or miniseries and stuff on that. Right. I would be cool if they if we saw like the further adventures of Luke Skywalker, like maybe only a couple of years after Return of the Jedi, like when Han Solo has sure. a beard. Han Solo has a beard. Like after a few years after Return, before they have their mm-hmm. before they have Ben Solo, maybe. Like right before or she's right. pregnant, she's pregnant with Ben. Like I want to see and the cool thing is you could like cast an actor like Sebastian Shaw, who I think looks a hell of a lot like uh, the guy who plays a winter soldier, Mm -hmm. um, a hell of a lot, like a young Mark Hamill. Yeah. I think they've done like side by side comparisons and like, mocked him up as luke skywalker that is insane if you threw a beard on him too you're fine give luke a bit you're good give luke his master beard you're all set and like i think that would be could be a cool idea i'm excited to see more obi-wan kenobi which will be stuff that leads directly up to i mean i guess uh, my thought is and like mandalorian is right after the original trilogy so it's doing this awesome bridge yeah i my whole thought is and you know how I feel about remakes. Like I'm not a big fan, Yeah. but my only argument for a remake of the original trilogy is it might make it more accessible to a modern star Wars audience to get started. Okay. If they wanted to, if they wanted the main story sort of retold, I got an idea. I was okay. thinking about it. So George Lucas took his original trilogy and then amped them up. Right. It would be real interesting if Disney could take them, take all what he amped up, added, and then mm-hmm. redo those amp ups in physical puppetry or real model ship flying, like right. real. So you then match the look, and then do that yeah, also. Is like, you, uh, it would have to be like a one to one the prequel stuff. Yeah, yeah, it would, yeah. Like instead of doing shop, you know, rehiring a Luke Skywalker and New Han, so all this, that, and the other. Recap, keep all of that footage, keep all the, but do out like start when we see all the X Wings leaving Yavin, make them now the hard models again, just right. add the population and the better lighting and the better effects that we have now. 
that you're doing right. with the Mandalorian. Those, even if, yeah. I mean, and again, this might be, I might get like killed for yeah. saying this, but like, even if they did want to remake it, I, I think if they did go for a full remake, which I don't think it necessarily needs, I'm playing a little bit of devil's advocate, but if they did remake it, I think they need to really, really hard stick to that original script, original oh, yeah. story, like do it as a one-to-one remake there, but you have to do, pay so much respect to, to that script because so much spinoff and so much information for future movies and series and video games have been right. literally derived from one line, like right. one line of dialogue that would be, Oh, I forgot. But they're like, remember how they said many people die bringing us these death star plans. That's now a whole movie from one sentence. Right. You're like, right. Oh, Whoa. Okay, cool. You can't, yeah, you can't change so it. Then, and then also, so then what do yeah. you want to see out of the future? Like specifically in regards to the original trilogy, what do you want to see out of the future? I'd love to see, yeah, just more Mandalorians doing it right. They're really treating that original trilogy well. More stuff like that. More stuff surrounding and in it. I want to mm-hmm. give me, you could give me a story with people who never ever run into the main characters of the original trilogy. Right. Like in Rogue One, they run into Darth Vader and Leia at the very end. And then um, Grand Moff Tarkin, but he's a kind of a side bad guy who's only right. in one movie because he gets blown up. So like it, I, I want them to pay respect to that. And I, or, and then I also would love to see, give me a video game, give us an open world video game. Yes. And I think I'm very hopeful every year, but Zach, uh, we know that in about, what is it? One, two, five days, it's May the 4th. And yep. there's already big announcements in the pipeline. So I know they're probably going to talk about their new, there's a new book series coming out that takes place about 200 years before the Mm -hmm. prequels. So it's like semi old Republic S. Right. Uh, And then um, I think they're going to announce a new, there's, there is new video games officially being produced. So right. Fingers well, crossed. snap. We're going to, we're going to see what and happens. You guys probably a with, Mandalorian trailer. So with our, yeah. Oh man. Um, but, uh, so you guys for right now, that's all the time that we have. It is. Um, yes. We're going to be touching on more star Wars next week. This is going to be a whole star Wars month. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you could do us a huge favor, subscribe to us on iTunes, uh, Stitcher, Google play, Spotify, all that good stuff. We're everywhere. Um, and check us out on Instagram. That's been uh, a lot of fun too, chatting with you guys on there. Yeah. So, um, next week we're going to be picking it up with the, uh, prequels. We're going to be yep. doing an episode on that. So check us out for those. And, uh, Dave, you got anything else? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at the Dave of wonders. And you can find me on Instagram at the Zach Rogers. And in case you didn't know, our Instagram for franchise impact is at franchise impact. It's, it's pretty simple. Pretty easy. Um, so yeah, we would, uh, we'd love to chat with you guys there too. Yeah. Gonna have some cool star Wars posts coming up. So yeah, definitely. So, all right, guys, cool. Well, we're looking forward to seeing you next week, and we'll talk with you guys then. See you later.